Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Angle on Producers. I'm your host and fellow producer, Carolina Gropa. This is a show where I spotlight producers from all corners of the entertainment industry to understand who they are, what they do, and why they do it. I do this show on the side while producing full time because yes, I'm a crazy person, but also I'm committed to capturing our stories. I'm committed to sharing them with you, my dear listener, in hopes that through this process, you find yourself seen, you find yourself heard and not alone in the struggle. Because yes, while this work is incredibly rewarding, it is also really hard and it comes with a lot of ups and downs. So you tuning in week after week and being a part of my journey means the world to me. So thank you for doing this live thing with me. Speaking of gratitude, what a tremendous honor it was to have this conversation with the formidable producer, Lynette Howe-Taylor. Lynette is an Academy Award and Emmy-nominated producer and the founder of 51 Entertainment. She produced Bradley Cooper's directorial debut, A Star is Born, which was nominated for eight Academy Awards, including Best Picture. She also served as executive producer on Derek Sion France's HBO limited series, I Know This Much Is True, starring Mark Ruffalo. She also produced the 92nd Academy Awards ceremony alongside Stephanie Elaine, who was also on the podcast, another inspirational woman with an incredible story to share. One of her first films was Ryan Fleck's Oscar-nominated Half Nelson, starring Ryan Gosling, which kind of kicked the door open for her to carve out this really incredible place for herself as a producer with just an exquisite, impeccable taste and eye for talent. A few of her other credits include The Place Beyond the Pines, Blue Valentine, Captain Fantastic, and Brie Larson's directorial debut, Unicorn Store. So this week, we dig into why partnerships are the key to success, the secret to finding your taste, spoiler, there isn't a secret, and grieving the loss of projects. So without further ado, let's hear from Lynette. My problems are the same as most people's in the pandemic, and then lots of people have far worse and in addition. So so, um, for the most part, like I'm, I've been, I've been okay. And then some parts of it have been have been kind of a welcome break from the madness of life, which I think is, you know, is, um, is, is all, you know, I think a lot of people have found that a lot of people have found the time reflective too, which is, uh, which I think is healthy. You know, people have been able to take this time and think about if they want to, you know, change up their lives, their careers, their situation, their location. And, and that's been that kind of an amazing, right. A lot of people have reset you know, their, their notion of what's important. So, you know, yeah. Do you feel like it's, it's shifted your priorities in any way? Um, only in so much as, um, it, it really just sort of underlined what I was already doing. Like I have young kids, my kids are eight and five and two. And, you know, I was sort of moving away from really not wanting to be away from them and be out of town as much. And, and then being able to be home with them for the last year, kind of just triple underline that for me and trying to figure out how to build a business that that means I don't have to travel for long periods of time as much I thought I think travel will always be part of my life and and I'm happy and welcome for it but um yeah but not having to like move to a different state for six months and be away from my children I think is uh was made more evident do you do you have the the answer to that the secret answer to how you create create that (laughs) asking for partners uh, for myself I think part, I think the truth is, I think partners, I think, um, I think partnerships, um, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, I'm, I've been working with, um, you know, the producer that works with me, um, Sam. you know, and I, and yeah, Sam, who, who I, you know, I basically said to her when she started working for me, like, look, part of the expectation is, and part of what she wanted to do is I was like, you, you know, you're going to be more hands-on when things are physically shooting and, um, and you and I need to be kind of interchangeable in that way. Um, and lots of people love the idea of being on set. Like it's one of, it's one of the reasons why they want to produce. And I, I found a way to be very actively involved and in, in still fully overseeing and making something happen without necessarily having to be there every day. And it's not easy and it really depends on the filmmaker. But I think, I think the answer is like real producing partners that are capable and and creative and able to 
step in when you're not there and that and that you you jointly share the work um you know so for me that's you know I think that's the that's really the only thing I've that's really the only answer I've come up with so far (laughs) yeah no that that's a good one I think it's an important note I think oftentimes when you're we're coming up you know there isn't that emphasis on partnership there is this sort of like lone wolf you're out there you're your own soldier and you're in battle, so to speak, on your own, yet everybody's like isolated in their own bubbles, especially in the indie space. And I think there's been a big transition in the past five years of, at least that's, I feel it in the past five years of, of like you said, really leaning in on other producers and creating community and realizing that we can all be resources for each other. And I think honestly, the Me Too movement was a big part of like rewriting that narrative, especially for women that we can lean on each other and support each other. Mm -hmm. There is room for all of us and that that scarcity mentality is is an unfortunate way yeah. that sort of you know the women who came before us had to grow up believing that and um yeah. it, it's now up to us to take the baton and redefine how we're going to do things and so i think it's incredible to hear you say that because i have a few projects on my slate and i'll say that one project where i do have a producing partner it's like night and day, you know, between that yeah. and the ones where I'm sort of alone, just banging my head up against the wall and being like, I, I love this, right? This is what yeah. I chose to do. <laughs> no, for sure. it's also a, you know, partnerships outside of outside, you know, producing is so hard. I mean, you basically work for free for a long time, sometimes years, you know, I mean, and even some of like your, my favorite movies, if you like talk to the producers about their journey getting there they're they're like years in the making and the amount of times we've heard those stories it's a it's you know it's always so hard to push that boulder up the hill and when you're doing it by yourself having somebody to 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 motivate you having somebody to bounce ideas off just quite frankly having somebody to share in the misery and then the joy is um i you know i've i've always loved working with other people and and um I, you know i i don't i don't really like it when i'm on my own um it's it's a it's a lonely place to be as a producer i think when you're when you're on your yeah. own yeah i uh i am figuring that out i've been sort of came up as a physical producer mostly mm-hmm. although i think the first project that kind of lit the fire for me for producing was this documentary called autism in love um, that opened up a lot of doors. And I, you know, I was like the only producer on that capital P did everything didn't know what I was doing. And I thought, oh, this is producing all the time, and realized that I wanted to gain experience on sets and learn from other producers who had, right. you know, so many more years ahead of me, and then sort of got swept in the sort of production wave of being a UPM line producer, which I, yeah. I've loved, and it served me well. But to your point, like, you know, priority shift and there comes a point where you have to take inventory of your life and like I I don't want to be the producer right and 10 years has got to be on set for 16 hour days like I want to be able to bring on people that I love and trust younger people that have the energy for it and are excited not that I'm not excited but there's just a different energy like that shifts and so um so having come up on the physical side and now making this shift to more of a creative producing role and in stepping into many of these projects as a lone producer, like I've definitely, especially last year, I will say that for us, you know, unfortunate as the pandemic was obviously for the world, but for our industry, I, I welcomed the pause and the permission mm-hmm. that yeah. I couldn't go do production to sort of really yeah. focus on these projects. And like you said, take stock of what is important. It is uh, getting on the other side of that now, not that we're on the other side of the pandemic, but it is like, an awakening to your point of like, how does one sustain this energetically, spiritually, financially to right. get there and get to the level of success that, you know, I look at like your career mm-hmm. and say, wow, when I grow up, I want to be like Lynette, you know, and, and <laughs> clearly you've had to endure and have the stamina for over 20 years for our business, for the, the research I've done on you. And so I always feel extremely honored and grateful when I get to like share a zoom with you know with producers like yourself who I not just me but many admire so much in fact a special shout out to my assistant Rebecca who was like dying and was like oh my god I love her please tell her I love her so <laughs> that's awesome I'm passing thank on you. that message to thank you. you um thank you yeah so I I think you know we're, we're just dove right into it and I love when conversations are organically when they just start <laughs> like that take us back to the beginning a little bit of Sure. Um, how you stumbled upon this crazy world of producing? Um, well, I I did stumble into it, sort of. You know, if you're you're lucky, if early on 
you can sort of identify things that you're drawn to and that and that you're good at and then you can make active decisions um that your schooling choices reflect that you know so I was always a person that wrote stories like I was always a storyteller I was always deeply creative I grew up with a lot of siblings and we were always putting on plays and shows and you know creating um fairgrounds in our backyard and out of clothes and stuff you know what I mean like we just I was I came from a a family of like my siblings were all very deeply creative they were musicians and 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 um uh, and so we were just we were sort of like very performance based but I used to write a lot as a kid I would I was always coming up with with different stories and my imagination kind of ran wild and I was an avid reader and would just like sit and devour book after book after book and so you know then in school naturally my kind of the subjects I like leaned into were English and drama and music and and um and so then as I kind of like narrowed my field I sort of narrowed it down to the stuff that I liked and the stuff that I was good at and and then eventually when it came time to go to university I was sort of really stuck with this choice of like you know kind of this big decision on what I wanted to do and I'd been part of um a theater company as an actor I'd done dance and I'd done theater and and um you know, I really, really, I'm, I'm, you know, I cannot sing. Like I'm not very, I'm not talented and, and um, I just don't have a voice, but I always loved musical theater. Mm. Um, and it was like the most devastating thing of my life that I wasn't born with the gift of song. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I always like loved music and I, and I, and I leaned into dance. So I auditioned for this drama school that, that um, was relatively new at the time in the UK that Paul McCartney had opened. Um, mm. And it was his old boys school and he turned it into like a state of the art, really small uh, performing arts school. And I auditioned for the acting course there, but part of it was a musical theater course. And so I had to sing in my audition. Of course I tanked um, and, uh, and they were very kind and very sweet, but I had put down as my, like my second choice. Cause I really wanted to go to the school um, like the management business degree and the way that that school worked it was um was all practical and and the the degree was like one degree and it was crossed and so if you did the management side that was only 60 percent of your degree and the other 40 percent was dance and performance and um you know so your major was one thing but then you got to minor and then you really got to cross over into um working with the other um the other classes you know as part of my like final year project I had to produce a show that the actors were in that musicians performed in that the technologists you know did the sound and the lighting and so it was an incredible school and so I I ended up going and doing that instead like it was sort of like one of those like moments of just like Mm -hmm. life changing like oh my god thank god that happened to me and it was really because somebody looked at my application and said well everything that she's written in here it's it's almost like she wants to be a producer she just (laughs) doesn't know it and is sort of like seduced by acting um Interesting. And and that was true. Like I think at the time I was sort of seduced by the idea of acting, but I'm so much more suited to producing. So I ended up doing that, which was incredible. And then that that was where I fi- really found my groove of, oh, I wanna I wanna be in like some sort of production. Um, but I didn't really know what that meant, like sort of coming out of that school. And so I worked, I went to London and I worked um as an assistant um for an agent. Um, you know, and I I did a lot of free work experience when I first got out of school and and I really come from like no money like I, it's not like I I'm just I paid my way through college and I've slept on friends couches in London and I you know and I worked I was an usher at a at a theater in at night and I worked at a bar in the day and I even had a paper round one night a week I had three jobs just to pay my way in London and was just staying on friends couches and I did work experience for free working for a casting director and an agent and kind of just got to understand the the business in London and the entertainment industry in London um and I really liked, you know, I liked working for the agent and I loved working in casting, but I realized that what I really wanted was sort of something that was more all encompassing. Like I didn't just want to be confined to one area of the business. And like, I wanted to be involved in the casting, but I also wanted to be involved in the physical product. I wanted to be involved in all of it. And so I talked to the casting director who had hired me, who's still one of my dearest friends. And I said, you know, I really want to kind of work for a producer in theater. and and he said, well, funnily enough, somebody's putting on a show and they need an assistant and let me call him. And then the next day I went for an interview and got this job as this producer's assistant on this 
sort of big West End musical. And, um, and it was an incredible experience. And, uh, and I really like got to see what it took to, to take a musical from its sort of inception all the way through opening night and then beyond. And it was, it was financed by an American company. Um, you know, so I was the main sort of point of contact for them coming into town and liaising with the director and, and, and theater is very small. Like this, you know, if you work mm-hmm. for the producer, it's like the producer, you, and really no one else. And so I got to do so much and I was really tenacious and, and, um, and just like threw myself into that show and made friends with the director, made friends with the writers, made friends with the cast, like was, was there every single night for every performance, was at every rehearsal, just like immersed myself in it and really learned about theater. And so by the time that show was finished, the company that had financed the show that were American offered me a job in their theater division of their company to sort of oversee and work on the musicals that they were financing and producing in London and New York and for me to go and try to find around the country new musicals for them to produce and invest in and transfer to Broadway or to the West End, which was an insane, insane job. Yeah. And also a huge shift from where you had been. I mean, you were what, in your early 20s at this point? 22. Yeah. So you're 22. You're an assistant for this fancy schmancy producer in London. How long do you do that job before that mean destiny comes calling really? It's, it's, I mean, the truth is it's, these things are, it's, it's, it's luck. It it is just right place, right time. It really is. And I was very, very lucky that this particular show was financed by this particular people. And also my boss had been doing this for a long, long time. And he was happy to let me run with stuff he was happy for me to be like hey we need an opening night party I'm just gonna plan it he's like great there's your budget go do it like I was so I was so he was so like gracious at just like letting me run with stuff and so then in the eyes of the financiers I was this like 22 year old like who could get anything done because I had nothing to lose (laughs) so it was an amazing opportunity and I and I and so I moved here I moved to how did you feel how did you feel at that time that you were ready to take such a leap was there a part of you that was like oh shit like I'm being handed the reins to something really massive I could fuck this up (laughs) like did that come up for you you know um I had gone through a very personally difficult year um my brother had been killed the same year um, in a car accident and, um, and, and it was, it had sort of really shaken my foundation as a person. Um, and, and coming out of that, I really felt like that, that sense of like, you really just have to live your life. And, 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 and when you're 22 and you don't have, you don't have any real responsibility except to yourself. And you have this sense of, well, this horrible thing has just happened and I'm surviving it. So like, so what if I suck at this job? Like, is it really gonna, what's the worst that can happen? It just was this, it was like, it sort of removed that fear for me for a big period of time. And, 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 um, and, and that was sort of a, it was a, it was a gift to me kind of emotionally. Um, Even though obviously it was, it was really hard, but I was also like really looking for something completely different in my life to, to, I needed to, I needed to be in a different space and a different place. And, uh, you know, so I, yes, I was definitely intimidated by the job, but I also was very fearless. Um, and part of that was youth, like just youth, like, you know, I mean, when you're in your, I mean, if there was ever a time to just take, just take a chance and just say yes to stuff that, sounds interesting like in your 20s like just do it and I I, that was really a motto of mine for a a lot of my career was was say yes was just it may not be perfect and I've seen other people in my orbit who sort of have like a career plan and a career path and and they have turned down opportunities or said no to stuff because they're kind of waiting for the right thing and I just don't know that that exists I sort of Mm. feel like I feel like for me if something felt if something felt like it could take me another step further or if i was going to learn something or if it was a new experience and it was something i was excited about it didn't i never had and i still don't have like a path it's not like i'm like i have to get to this place um you know 
I just never had that. And, and it, it was about what's the thing I want to do next. That's exciting. And sometimes that just came up and then I would say yes to it. But, be, and so I said, yes to this. I said, yes, to this opportunity. It wasn't a hard thing to say yes to. I, you know, I relocated to Los Angeles I mean, I'm from Liverpool, England. I mean, it's like, and I was living on people's couches in London and I was broke and, and working three jobs. And suddenly I'm like, wait, I can be in Beverly Hills. Um, <laughs> which is, you know what I mean? I remember driving down like palm, palm tree line streets and just thinking, this is insane. Like, this is insane that I'm here. And, and I still get that feeling when I drive up, um, uh, when I drive up uh, past the Beverly Hills hotel, I still sort of remember that feeling of magic of being in the city, but it was, it was an amazing opportunity. And I, and I also felt really safe because the, the people that were offering me the job you know, it was a couple, um, they had five children, their oldest was, is the same age as me. And I felt like I was coming into a family and I really was brought into a family. Like it, it was a job, but I lived in their house for a year while I got settled and found an apartment and I traveled with them everywhere. And, and so I didn't, I didn't feel like I was being just dropped in a place right. I didn't know. Everyone that worked at the company was just really wonderful. And I had a friend from college that had moved to LA completely coincidentally, like six months earlier. And so we, I would like hang out and then she'd already made like a group of friends. And I kind of jumped into her friendship groups. And suddenly I had like a young group of friends that I was out with. And I was on sun, you know, on sunset strip every, you know, every oh weekend. And it was kind yeah. of a, ma- it was magical. It was yeah. magical. And yeah. it was, um, it was a great way to kind of just like come to LA and, and do it in a way that was, um, I wasn't struggling. I, you know, mm. I was, I was really in this amazing job and, and, you know, and I, and I did that job for three years. I really worked in finding musicals and worked on their shows in New York and worked on their shows in London and like oversaw their shows and developed projects for them. And, and eventually the company did both film and television. Um, and I was the only real person on the theater side. Um, and I was just, I was in LA and I was kind of like, starting to see that there was this film business and this television business and wanting to be part of it. And, you know, growing up in Liverpool and like, you know, film degrees when I went to college, just, they, there just weren't that many of them. Like film studies was more like film history. There just weren't film schools in the same way. And it was really, if you wanted to go into the arts, you were really going into theater and really you were going into acting. I mean, my degree at the time was the only one like it in the country. It was the only one that was like a business degree that was focused on the entertainment industry and was practical and you learned how to produce. But it was still in the theater and music scene. It had nothing to do with film and television. Um, you know, so moving to LA, I, I, I suddenly was exposed to, to a whole new world and um, was really excited by that world. And felt like, oh, wait, maybe I could, maybe I could be a film producer. And I thought, okay, well, how am I going to, how am I going to do that? And so I went to my boss and I was like, look, I really want to like work on the film side of the company. And, and she, you know, she'd invested a lot of time in me on the theater side and they were full on the film side. And they had like tons of people who had experience in film and I had zero experience. And so, you know, I, she was encouraging on me kind of like joining some of that stuff, but I couldn't really lead it. I had this other job. And, mm-hmm. and then I really realized that, you know, the thing that I have then sort of stuck to since, which is that I really am entrepreneurial and I, and I want to run my own business. I want to do what I want to do. And I want to do things the way I want to do them. <laughs> and I want to work on projects that I want to do. And, and so I sort of felt like, okay, well, if I want to go work in, Film, I could basically quit my job and I could go start to PA because um, I don't have any other skills. Like I don't, I don't know how to line produce. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to do. And I was like, or I could raise money because I have been working for a high net worth individual who finances musicals. And I had been around a lot of other high net worth individuals who mm-hmm. finance the arts. And I was like, well, maybe some of them might want to finance a movie and maybe I, I can that, I love that your options were that. either yeah your options no, were either I'll really go PA it's it just amazing right that. like either I'll no, PA no, or I'll just talk to all these really rich people and see if they want to give me money to make some cool By the way, art 
that's kind of still my options. Like, I mean, the truth <laughs> is like, if I couldn't be a producer, I have no skill sets in between. Like I couldn't do anything else. I doubt I would either that. be PAing or that would, I couldn't do anything else. No, I, I doubt that. that. Re- research too. I know you could do more than that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. So, so yeah, so I, so I, I basically gave in my notice and I said, I'm going to start a company and I'm going to be a producer. And I, and, and I think my boss was like, you're out of your mind. Um, and, um, but she was very supportive and has still been very supportive and one of my biggest champions to date. Um, and I'm so grateful for them for giving me the opportunity. I wouldn't be here without them and their faith yeah. in me when I had nothing to offer anybody um, except enthusiasm. And I, and I did hmm. that just that. I, I, I raised money, set up a production company, and, um, and, I, and I went out with a partner um, who was a financing partner and the two of us set up a business and we went out to finance independent film. And I had no idea what the hell that meant or what I was doing. Um, the year I launched my business, I went to Sundance and like slept on people's couches and watched movies <laughs> and went to Q and A's and like, and I basically spent a year kind of going to a bunch of Q and A's and listening to podcasts and listening to other producers and like learning how other people did it and realized that there was no one way to do it. Um, and that, uh, that there was, you know, that, that there was tons of filmmakers, writer directors that needed producers. And if you had access to money and um, an ability to help get something made, that like that was kind of the way in. And so I, I did just that. I basically went out to like meet, I met, met filmmakers at festivals. I mean, at the festival, like, you know, had a lawyer introduce me to an agent. Like I just was like kind of scrapping around seeing who I could and I read scripts for six months and I had a fine investor that was willing to spend money. So I could have within month one put money into a movie and been producing. But I really knew that I kind of had like one or two shots at picking the right thing. Mm. And that whatever it was that I decided to invest my my, my investors money into that it, it had to work. And so we ended up, I ended up making two movies after reading scripts for six months back to back. The first was Half Nelson. Um, yes. And the second was Stephanie Daly. And I learned how to produce by producing those movies. I knew nothing. Um, I had produced one short film, um, which is where I learned what a grip was, because I didn't even know what a grip <laughs> was. And, and, um, and, yeah. and I, you know, and I learned that craft service can't just be candy bars and, uh, and chips. Um, yep. You know, um, and then, and then I, you know, I was so lucky. I, 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 I invested in Half Nelson on behalf of this financier. And I basically said to the other producer, um, I'm only going to invest like half the money if I can actively be part of making this happen. Like I want to be creatively involved. I want to be, I want to be on set. I want to be in pre-production meetings. Like I want to be there and I want to be there through post and I want to understand. And the, you know, and the, and the other investor was hundred percent open to that. And then we had a experienced producer who brought an experienced line producer onto the movie and but the rest of us were like babies it was the start of most of our careers on that movie and and so I learned how to produce by watching and a lot of the skills are not that dissimilar to producing a musical you know not producing. I mean it's 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 working with artists and and there's you know there's such an incredibly collaborative nature to theater that if you're trained in theater you're used to figuring out how to get people to work together and I've been producing plays since I was in college, like I've been producing right. all sorts of like, I mean, I ran a small theater company when I was in college that we would tour around doing shows in schools. Like, so I, I knew how to be a producer and like applying that skill set to film was just learning a slightly different language. Um, right. And, and learning that medium, but, it, but the actual skills were, they're all kind of the same as communication. It's people, it's organization, it's, it's instinct, it's storytelling. It's, you know, it's just about understanding the mediums. So that's how I started. I mean, that's really how I got into it. And, uh, and both of those movies went to Sundance the following year. Um, Hoff Nelson had an incredible run and Stephanie Daly had a theatrical release and won the screenplay award at the festival. Mm. And it was just suddenly like I had these two movies at the festival at the same time. And then I got on the variety 10 producers to watch list and, and then it just got a little easier for me to, and then people were sending me scripts and, right, you know, very, very early on, I was sort of known as a producer that would come on to first time feature directors movies and like really work with them and support them and raise money for them. And, and that was how I spent like a good chunk of the first many years of my career was really, was really doing that. Mm. 
Incredible. Like, wow, just took us to school there. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about taste, right? And choosing the right projects. Like how, you know, you would, th- one would think that you have had to have read certain amount, a certain quantity of scripts to know what a good story is and all of this sort of narrative that we uh, are led to believe, right? But you clearly, like you said, could have just said yes to anything. You wanted to get your sea legs under you. You wanted to go, but you knew you had to wait for something special. And and I've read that even till today, I, I wonder if this was the same for you back then, but you just didn't have the language for it, that for you, it's all about character. You don't care so much about the plot or even the genre. It's just what is the character? Who is this person? What do they want? And so so many people ask, right? Like, what do producers want? Like, what's your taste? Like, how do you find stuff? So I guess it's a backhanded way of asking that question, but like, how do you trust, like, what is that thing, you know, to trust that instinct that this is the thing for you? Um, I think, well, first of all, I think that, that the great thing about taste is that we all have a different version of it. And I don't think anybody is right or wrong. I mean, there are, you know, you and I could watch the same movie and I could think it's a masterpiece and you could think it's absolute garbage. And I'm not sure that either one of us is right or wrong. <laughs> I think that that, that, you know what I mean? I think that that's yeah. the beautiful thing about, about art um, and about the entertainment industry. And I, and I feel like if anyone ever forgets that piece, then their, then their, then their ego has gotten the better of them and they've gotten way too big for their bridges that they feel like <laughs> their taste is somehow superior to other people's taste just because right. it's not the same. So I yeah. think that I sort of start with, we're all consumers. We've grown up consuming content. We've grown up consuming books and art and poetry and um, movies and television shows and theater. And, you know, even from a child, we know what it is that we like and don't like. Like we know what shows we want to watch on a Saturday morning and which ones we just find like boring. And I think, you know, you're developing your sense of taste based on what speaks to you, what is appealing to you. And so when I first started I think my taste was developed with my, there, there was, it really came from, um, you know, I like to, I like to read a script without having anyone pitch it to me. I don't want to know where it's going. I my first reaction to something is, is my reaction as an audience member, my reaction as a consumer. And, and, and I trust that, but I've, I've learned to trust that because it's, it's worked for me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't, it's not like I knew to trust that in the beginning, I could have made a few movies and they could have bombed. And I have made movies that haven't worked, but, but, um, but, but I'm really proud of everything I've made. And the truth is the ones that I instinctually felt like weren't going to be great because the scripts I didn't, I didn't think were great, but I made for other reasons I was usually right about. Um, so I think first of all, taste is about you as a consumer, you know, people ask me if I would ever do like a horror movie and you know, my response is, well, I don't consume horror movies. Um, you know, I, I don't consume paranormal activity cause I'm a baby and I, they're scary to me. So I don't really know how to read them because I don't really like to watch them, but like something yeah. like the others which is like supernatural and smart. Like you could put that in that genre, but that's like character driven and inside mm-hmm. a really smart premise. And like, that's also scary as hell, but like, it's different. And I, right. you know, so I think sometimes it's, I think the genre saying, I don't really care about the genre is, is, is really that, I mean, I, 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 it's about what I know how to contribute to mm. creatively as a producer, which I think is really important. You know, I don't ever want to be the kind of producer that, that's just logistical, that just figures out how to make stuff happen. I think it, what drives me is a creative collaboration with everybody that's part of the, of the show or the movie. And, um, and that's why I'm in this business and not, you know, in any other non entertainment based business where quite frankly, my skills, your skills would be completely applicable, human resources, finance, business affair. I mean, it would, you know, it's like, you can feel like you and I could go work in a number of different in different industries, but why do you choose entertainment? Well, because there's a creative drive and a need to tell stories and want to be part of that yeah. collaboration. And I think too, the, the power, right. To get to be at the helm of choosing which stories get told and then yeah. get passed down to inspire and inform, um, perspectives on culture mm-hmm. and identity we, like you said, we Absolutely. get so much of that from the images we see and it is a responsibility. Um, and, and I don't, I think, you know, there's no better time to be a, a female in Hollywood. And so I feel like we, 
kind of just not that it's cush by any means, but it definitely feels like there's that that we're in that we're riding the beginnings of that wave that I hope doesn't you know crash. <laughs> yeah, I to- I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree. You know, you know, when I think about what it is that I want to make, um, so the first thing is, do I like it? Do I have an emotional response to the material, which is the most important? And then following on from that, do I know how to get it made? Like, do I have a sense of the journey and what I can contribute. And, and, and that has changed over the years. And, you know, I mean, I mean, if somebody had given me Lord of the Rings, um, when I was 25, I wouldn't have known. I, I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't have known how to get that made. I had no experience, but like Hoff Nelson with first time directors, you know, it was, it, you know, with it, with an under a million dollar budget, you know, I knew the path, I could see the path, like how I could be part of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, and that still kind of applies, you know, I mean, I mean, a little less so now, but, but a lot of the movies I did earlier on were smaller in budget, because that's what I had access to. That's what I, that's how I knew, I knew how to get those movies made. I could stay yeah. in control of those movies in terms of the way that they were, the environment created for the filmmaker to, to do their best work. And, and, um, you know, so I think that was a huge part of it. And then, a lot of the times I look at who the filmmaker, I mean, most of the time I look at who the filmmaker is. A lot of the, my early work was very writer director driven. Um, so it used, I mean, I used to get stuff in script form where it was often a director who, you know, was making the movie that they had written and, and I was there to support that and figure out mm-hmm. how to enable that vision. And so then it was, well, do I believe in this person? Do I think that they can execute it? Do I think that they know what they're doing? Um, and some of that's just, you know, gut. Um, some of it was chance in the beginning. I mean, I, I could never have predicted that Ryan and Anna would be the filmmaking force that they are. I'd love to be like, oh, I was so smart that like I made their first movie because I had some sort of like insight into them. I didn't. I mean, I I, I read that script and it, it you know their short film had won the um the, the, had won Sundance the year before. They were really intelligent on the phone. I loved the material. The budget was right. It had gone through the screenwriter's lab. It had all these elements that I was like, this feels like a smart bet on top of me really loving the script. Yeah. So it wasn't just that I loved the script. All the elements felt all the like elements. Yeah. it was there. And, and, and you know, so, so I think it, it's, it's about that too. Often it's about, you know, sort of those things coming together. I can't tell you how many times I watch a movie and I think, God, I could never have made that movie. Like, I wouldn't know how to contribute to that movie, but I love the experience of it. Yeah. And, you know, there's really, it's funny, like there's, there's a great example of this. You know, I, I've mentored to for the Sundance Producers Lab for many, many, many years. And it's one of my favorite things to do. And one year, Beast of the Southern Wild came through the lab. It was in the director's lab, it was in the producer's lab. And the four of us that were mentors were all very experienced. And that script came to all of us and the producers had never made anything before and they were super scrappy. And I remember all of the four of us kind of met, met beforehand and we were like, God, this one's tough. Like, this one's tough. Like, this reads like a $30 million movie. Like, and we were all kind of scratching our heads. I'm like, how does this get me? Like, how? we just couldn't quite see it. Like, it was yeah. really hard for all of us to see it. The producers, like, totally saw it they totally knew what was inside Ben Zeitlin's head they they had a plan they knew exactly how to execute it and and we the four of us were kind of like okay like I I remember feeling like this feels like something I don't know how to do Mm. at that point I'd made like six or seven movies um or maybe more maybe like eight eight or nine movies and so you know, when they were talking about it's non-union, we're just going to shoot with real people, like in a real place. Like, and I was like, this is insane, guys. And they're like, <laughs> no, we're going to put like fake antlers on pigs. And I was like, it's going to look terrible. And I just, I couldn't get my head around it. And Paul Mazze, who's one of the mentors was like, kind of felt the same way, but like was really excited to kind of explore it. And I was just like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to make this movie. And then I saw the movie and I was so blown away. And it, it really cemented to me my, what I, what I thought, which was, you know, sometimes it takes a certain kind of producer at a certain part place in their career to be able to do a certain kind of movie. And like, I just didn't see it. All I saw were physical production problems, insurance issues. Like, I don't know how you make this for this budget. Like I just saw a bunch of problems because I'd made too many movies by that point. Uh, And that movie would never have gotten made if it wasn't for the group of producers and where they were at in their career at that particular time they made that movie. And that has nothing to do with taste. It also has to do with just 
an understanding of what the job is and then being prepared to do it in whatever way is necessary to get the movie made. I couldn't see that. They could see it. I was supposed to be their mentor and they went and got nom- been nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards. And like, I, it was so impressive to me, an incredible lesson in how movies can get made in any number of ways and, 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 and that producers are like deeply creative in how they go about making those movies. Uh, that's an incredible story. I like, yeah, I think it's so true that we all often think as we rise, like there's one, like you said, there's one answer or one way to do everything. But I think it's true that the, the sort of energy that you have and honestly, the um, ignorance, which is bliss sometimes, <laughs> right, as to how hard something is early on in your career, like you have to really hold on to that for dear life because you're going to get to the other side at some point and you'll be like, oh, I just like you said, I can't see it or I can't do it or I don't have the like hours left of my life of my bandwidth to do this like I did it in my 20s or in earlier parts of your career. So I think that's super important. And you touch upon mentorship, which uh, I really want to dive in with you. I know I've been guilty of having this maybe like romantic notion of what a mentor is. And so I'd love for you to touch on the realities of like what mentorship has looked like for you coming up. And when you are mentoring people, what does that actually look like? Like how engaged, how active, how transparent? I know it's <laughs> funny. Like I don't, I, you know, I didn't, I, I've only worked for, I've worked, you know, I've worked for one company. Um, and that was, you know, from, from 22 to 25, like, you know, cause I feel like, I feel like I had incredible, I feel like I had like, and, and most of my mentors are men. Um, mm. You know, I don't, I don't, except for the woman that, br- that brought me here, um, who really um, supported me and took a chance on me, you know, and, and, and that was sort of a slightly different situation. But, you know, once I left and I was in the film world, I, I don't, I, I never really had mentors in the way that I think people see it, but I, I've certainly been given a lot of opportunity. Um, and I think that there are definitely people who have put immense trust in me when they had no reason to. And, and that is sort of a slightly different version of it for me. And, and, Mm. you know, I had a business partner, my first business partner who I started my company with, who, um, you know, put an immense amount of trust in me with my like idea for a business plan based on no experience, except just kind of gut that like, you know, what, let's make a few movies, see if they go to Sundance, like, let's try to build a business this way. And, and that trust in me, um, as opposed to mentorship, which was, you know, which was somebody, I think in some ways, like I see it as somebody teaching me and showing me how to do my job. Like I really learned how to do my job from doing it and working with other producers, watching them do it, not necessarily them teaching me, me just right. being around and paying attention. And so, but I think because I didn't have that, active mentorship and in, in such a way um i definitely want to be i have definitely strived to be that um but i also feel like i have learned so much through that process i mean sundance has an is an incredible program and i have been again for like 50, i guess 12 years i have been a part of sun the sundance labs and i have learned just as much from the advisors that I'm that I sit in the sessions with to the outside speakers they bring in to Michelle Satter and her incredible team who run those labs and so none of them are necessarily mentors but they are peers who I continue to learn from um, and I feel that way about the producing community you know I've been a, I've been a member of the academy for seven years and I've sat on the executive committee for six of them. Um, and that's an incredible group of established producers who are very open and honest in that environment. And I've learned so much from incredibly experienced producers that have been around longer than me, like Jennifer Todd or Kathy Kennedy or Dee Dee Gardner and just, yeah. you know, remarkable Stephanie Lane, like remarkable women yeah. that I have, have watched and asked questions of and talked to about their careers. Um, you know, because producing is lonely, you don't, you don't, I mean, I had never worked for somebody. And so, you know, now I, 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 I find it to be incredibly important to be transparent with younger producers about the challenges, but also be encouraging about the fact that 
there is no one way of doing anything and that that everyone can really find their own path and find their own way and be creative and you know i have a i've i've all women that work for me and um i have a very open policy at my company in terms of i want everybody's creative opinion and really want it and and everybody to read all of the scripts that come in and give feedback and be part of meetings and get to know filmmakers you learn by watching you learn by doing you learn by participating and so for me mentorship is also giving people the 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 authority to take risks both in expressing their voice um and then just being part of experiences and that and that to me mentorship looks like that and not being afraid to ask questions and not being afraid to be wrong um and 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 um and really not being afraid to have an opinion i think that that's because your opinion as a producer i think is so is so important when it comes to script notes when it comes to material when it comes to you know crewing talent casting i mean all of it marketing materials opposed to design i think like having some faith in your opinion and that your taste and your voice ha- has value even if like i routinely disagree with people that work for me that doesn't mean i'm right and it doesn't mean they're wrong to me like mentorship is that it's encouraging people to not be afraid of their voice and then giving them a safe space to continue to grow and push themselves. And it feels like, you know, so much of producing is that is honing in on like your voice and the the sort of like that is the cornerstone of what it what are the stories that compel you, right, to do this insanely difficult and challenging and demanding work to get it out there and it it feels to me from an outsider looking in, right, to your story that looking back, you can probably connect the dots and see how like your voice was kind of there from the beginning, because from half Nelson to wonder darkly, like, there's a lot of similarities between the kinds of stories you're drawn to, right. And so how do you recommend producers or any artists, really, because I I don't separate producers from artists, I think we are also filmmakers and, and artists in our own rights. But but how do you find that? You know, how do you find your voice, especially in, in a market now where it's so crowded, and there's so much right, it's it's wonderful, what the internet has done, and what the streamers have given us and what social media has given us. But I often wonder if it, it creates too much noise where you can't really take the time to find yourself in that. In, 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 in fact, it's the opposite. I, I wonder if people are losing themselves, but I'm also like a generation, you know, that new life before the internet. So I don't know how like 20 year olds are dealing with life having always had this kind of stimulus. And so what, what guidance you would give for that? I think say yes to things that feel authentic. Um, and and trust your trust what it is that you like. I mean, I I if there's an opportunity or a script or, you know, I, I again like I go back to what I said earlier, which is I've never had a career plan. Like I may I, you know I may have had like ambition, like oh my god, it'd be so great to win an Oscar one day. But that's not a plan. That's just a ambition. And and it and mm-hmm. it and it's it's not a. It's also I mean now in my experience, it's actually not something to work towards because really what you should be working towards is like daily fulfillment and like an enjoyment of the of the work that you do and if at some point that yielded um a gold statue well that's just kind of icing on a cake because it's really just not about that you know and and and, um um you know so i i have said yes to things that I didn't know what was going to come from them, but I instinctually felt like this is an experience I want to have. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and then from every experience I've taken something kind of remarkable and, and um, you know, it's, I mean, I mean, when I was at Sundance, one of the projects that went through the lab was the small, um, the small movie called on the ice that was um, uh, a native, a native director. Um, um, from Alaska and you know his his short was exquisite and had also won Sundance and the script came through and he wanted to make it with all native actors in Barrow where he's from so all non-actors and it was a wonderful script and he was incredibly talented and it was absolutely the kind of film I wasn't trying to get made anymore I was like that's oh, a million dollar movie I'm really trying to make 
slightly bigger films at that point in my career, but I was so drawn to it and I was so drawn to him. And I, at the time, I didn't know what it was that really drew me to it, but what really drew me to it was that I felt like I haven't seen this before. Like I haven't seen, and and now it's, you know, and I mean, in retrospect, you're like, well, you haven't seen it because people aren't making enough content with Native Americans and right. <laughs> contemporary con- and especially contemporary content with Native yeah. Americans. And so, um, and so, but at the time I just was like, yes, like, there's something about this that feels really fresh, really original and a voice. And I want to tap into that. And then in retrospect, I was like, wow, that was amazing. I got this incredible experience with this culture that I never would have seen. And I got to make a movie and live in this place that I never would have gone. And I, and I got to experience all this insane eye-opening, um, eye-opening stuff that was like stayed with me and, and carried and, and carried, you know, sort of carried me through and like, that was just, I just said yes to something that felt fresh and felt like I hadn't seen it. And that felt like I could be useful to, and I really loved the story and it had all these amazing outcomes. And I feel like that has happened on many of my movies and many experiences is that I, I said yes to something in my gut. And then, and then it's amazing the the, the doors that it opened and, and the, and the pathways and, and, um, you know, and, and I, I really feel that way. I got to make Captain Fantastic because I met Matt Ross and helped him make his yeah. $200,000 first feature. And then because of that, and we had a good time, he gave me his next script, which was incredible. And I never yeah. would have gotten that if I hadn't said yes to 28 hotel rooms. And so I think it's about saying yes. And then somehow you find yourself 20 years later, having had a career. I mean, and what a career you've built, you know, this idea of sustaining a career in this business, especially as a woman, this idea of having the bandwidth, the stamina to to stay with it, right? And I, one of the re- reasons I started this podcast is because I grew resentful of the fact that aside from some Q&As, aside from some press on some movies, there's no place where you can go and just have producers talk about the real shit of what it means to do this work. And so you see somebody at the Oscars, you see them getting all the accolades, the 1% of this business that, like you said, is completely out of your control. And I resent that some people look at that and make that their goal or then perceive your life or your journey to have been whatever they think because of that. And so part of this mission is to like capture our stories and really shine a light on, on the realities and the challenges because not to dissuade anybody, but to inform them. So when they bump up against this in their own lives, like you said, they can feel, okay, others who've come before me have felt this. This is normal. This is just a part of the growth, right? So in your in your career, um, when you have dealt with challenges, roadblocks, maybe moments, I don't know if you had this, I certainly have had in my career moments where I almost left the business and was like, burn it all to the ground. Like I'll go work in HR. I'll go find something else I can do with these, with these skills because it can be emotionally depleting. And as producers, we have to be so many things for so many different people. So it's a two-parter question. It's, you know, how have you navigated these times in your life, these lulls, which are inevitable. And then when you are filling your, your energetic spiritual well to keep you going, how do you do all of that? I, I, I routinely, routinely, and, 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 and this year, last year, the year before, the year before, the year before that have had moments, many, many, many moments, and sometimes periods of weeks where I'm like, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to keep doing this? Should I really do this? Um, and it, and it fluctuates, you know, some days I have a good day and I, some and people say yes to three things in a row. And I'm like, great forward momentum. And then I'll, then the next day, like two people will pass on a project that I've spent six months working on. And you feel like, Oh my God, I just spent six months on something that like is dead. Like, and I don't know how to re and I've got to revive it again. Like it's, it is, I think it is very, very hard. I think one of the things that makes independent producing so hard, that is so underappreciated. The only other, there are two other sides of the, there are two other, two of the two other, um, uh, jobs in this business that experience this and it is writing and directing, um, you know, where you are not necessarily compensated for your time. And, um, until so much later on, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, writers who, who write on spec, you know, that have to sit in a room for hours on end with no one paying them until they get to a certain point. Um, you know, and then, but then once they hit a certain point, they start to get paid for their work, you know, 
directors often are attached to a project and they don't get paid until the thing goes into pre-production, but they're part of it. You know, producers can work for years and years without a single dollar. And then they get to the, you know, and then they get to negotiate their deal and inevitably get the most squeezed, you know, sort of like the, the most diluted. We have no protection from unions. It's all about leverage. No one represents us in the same way. And, and suddenly you're like, but wait, I, I've worked for five years on this. I put all these things together and now you want me to get paid the same as my location manager is getting paid like for, for five years of work. And I'm going to be on this every day. And then I'm still going to be on this two years later. And I think right. that that is, that is a, a vastly underappreciated side of this business that, that almost no one else can co- totally understand and grasp. Like people don't end up, I mean, the reason why I think the Academy is so protective and, and, and why producers that are creative producers are so protective over like line producers, for example, is that line producers get paid for the work that they do. Um, you know, creative producers can just spend years without getting paid. And, and, and it's really, you know, that, that can be very challenging. I think it can be very demoralizing. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're constantly being strategic. You're constantly trying to have to reinvent the wheel you're constantly trying to make something sound fresh and new and like, and, and it's, it's, it's really hard and it can be very lonely and it can be very exhausting. And, um, and I, I have, you know, and, and, and I have struggled with that my entire career. And I, and I think that if you ask any producer, they will say the same thing. Like anybody that works independently struggles with that. And I, and I work, a lot. I work more than most, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm, you know, but, but I struggle with it. And then anybody that, you know, that I talk to has the same feeling. And even if you're in a deal, even if you, you know what I mean? Like, it's still just, it's hard. It's hard yeah. to, it's hard to, to get up every day and do that. So I, I think what keeps you going is, um, for me is having other things as well. You know, I mean, I've, I've kids, I have my husband, I've, family, friends, you know, travel, you know, I, I mean, I'd like to say I have hobbies, but I'm not really sure I have hobbies. <laughs> you know, when I, when I have a really tough week, I'll sit on the floor with my two-year-old and I'll just like build blocks with her. And, and it, it's super simple. And it reminds me that it's all okay. And that she doesn't care if I got an actor to say yes or no today. And, and, and that has been really um, remarkable for me, or I take my dog for a walk and, and, or I go for a swim or like, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's just about for me, like not having it be the center of my universe. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but when things fall apart, like I can be devastated. I mean, I, and I, I've also said this to my husband a lot that, and he's so used to me now, I've been together for a long time and, you know, like if, if something I've been working on, if like if somebody fell off something, I have to grieve it. I, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's okay to grieve it. Like, it's okay to be like, God, I was working on this thing for, for six months and, and it's all I did. And then this thing, this other thing happened. And now my act is going to go do this other movie. And now my movie's not happening. And God, what a waste of all that time. And like, I should have been doing something else. And now I'm six months further away from making something. And it's, I think it's okay to also just take a minute to grieve when that happens because yeah. it happens constantly and then pick yourself up and move forward. And, and that's, that's been my motto is like, allow yourself to be emotional. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. And then you like get through it and then you pick yourself up when you start again. And, and, um, and so I've had like that's been my career and it's it's um it's a roller coaster. It's it's an exhausting roller coaster. And um and there is no roadmap for producers. There is no this is how you do it. And and unlike writers or unlike directors, you know, you can be successful, but like you're still back to the drawing board the next day on a on a movie that you have to figure out how you're going to get made and um unless you want to go take a job you know where you get paid for that effort but yeah I, and so the part of that is the risk of of um of being let down and and then feeling like you've wasted your time and hopefully you have enough success that 
because when it works and it's great, it's it's worth all of it. You know, the highs are so high that they make up for the for the lows. Right. Right. And the lows are so low and it's like constantly finding trying to find that middle and like existing, like you said, in the between the two planes where it can mm-hmm. never be just purely amazing or pure shit. Like it has to kind of exist in the middle. And I and I think you're right. Like it is important to have other areas of your life that are developed, whatever they may be. For some people it's family, Definitely. you know, that that you like this idea of being defined by this business and being defined by what you do, what you don't do, because even, I mean, as someone who's gotten to the levels you have, I'm sure, you know, you, you are nominated for an Academy Award and they're like, great, what's next for you? And you're like, hold, can I just like enjoy that? I you know, like, can I just take a minute? And so it's such an industry of like, what's the next thing that I think it can sort of uh, train us improperly to not take like a minute to pause and, and reflect on how much we've done. And, and honestly, to like your yeah. point, enjoy the journey. And I, I have definitely struggled to not let the business define me and my self-worth as like a human, as a woman, as just like a person trying to navigate this world. Um, have you ever struggled with that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, all the time. I mean, I think, you know, the lesson that I also tell myself constantly is not to compare myself to other yeah. people. You know, I think I, I love to be inspired by other producers who I admire. And then I'm like, I call them up and I'm like, so just, just tell me, like, just tell me how you did it. Like, tell me what you did. And then you kind of uncover, because like people feel like they're like superhuman because you sort of look at your life and you're like, oh, I'm a mess. Like my, my, I, I missed my kid's bedtime tonight and I didn't do this. And like my office is a disaster and I haven't found my taxes. And like, you know what I mean? And you're just like, you're sort of like, God, how does everyone else do it? And and look at all these people that are doing it so much better than I am. And then you, you talk to somebody and then, and then they're like, yeah, I have four nannies. And like, that's how I can, and you're just like, oh, oh, okay. Like, it's just, you start to just like, everyone has stuff. Like it's right. Like, right nobody's right. got it figured out. Like nobody yeah. has it figured out. Everybody has stuff. And I think that I definitely have fallen into the trap over the years and, and definitely do it a lot less now of like the comparison of feeling like, well, how did that person get, I mean, I used to look at Christine Vachon, I still do. And I'm like, does she make five movies a year? Like, I don't <laughs> understand it. And like, yeah. And I'm like, but, but I'm just, I'm inspired by it now. Whereas I used to be like threatened is the wrong word, but like Mm. intimidated by it. Like I was like, my God, like, how does she figure it out? And, And I'm like, she's brilliant. Like, and she's got relationships and like, you know, but, but everybody has stuff that they're not doing in lieu of doing, you know, whatever it is. And I, and I, I, I think that the mistake you can make is, is, is comparing like opportunities people have been given or, you know, situations they found themselves in and, and, and relationships that they've stumbled across. But, but yes, but frequently I think people feel like they're fraudulent. They feel, yeah. you know, I'm always, you know, they feel, they feel like, I mean, I, you know, again, like I think the more you work in the, the more you work and as the older I've gotten, I, I feel, I feel less like that, but I also feel the, um, the lack of security. I mean, you know, it's, 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 um, you know, I was, you know, so the joke of like, well, I could either produce or PA, but the, the truth is that if, if it got hard to produce, like it, I really would have to reinvent, like, so what am I going to do now with my life and my career? How am I going to earn money if I couldn't produce or I just, I just really didn't want to anymore. And, and, yeah. um, you know, I think it's that there, there's, there's that, there's always that fear of, um, of that kind of sneaking up on you. And, um, you know, but I don't, I don't know. I feel, I feel sort of more Zen about, about, um, about that idea, about that idea now. And that, and that just sort of having a little bit more confidence and faith that you have a skill set as a producer, you have a skill set that people, especially now, I mean, in the last 10 years, I think people have really come to respect producers in a different way than they had. Even when I started, when I started out, I was writing, to be respect now the amount of people that call me and say we need a producer on this we need an actual producer that can put this together like those calls weren't really being made 15 years ago it was sort mm-hmm. of like it was seen of like as like creative baggage and then and then um you know i think sundance was a big part of because they really influenced a generation of filmmakers and teaching directors like you really need a creative partner that like you need somebody that's going to help you get this movie made that also is creatively in tune with you because you want somebody putting your movie together who has the same vision as you and is going to protect your vision so that when you have to make some hard logistical choices, you know that they're on your side and that you're right. the same end goal. And that was something that Sundance did that was kind of amazing. Um, 
by creating the produce the creative producing initiative and and then it and then it reshaped an industry it reshaped the way agents saw producing the way managers saw producing the way studio executives saw producing and 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 it became less about just like setting up a movie and walking away it became about the individuals it really took to get the thing made and 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 so you know i i think that there's um there's always going to be a need for that especially with like a sort of a glut of content people are looking for great producers all the time and that didn't exist as much I yeah think when I started, it didn't exist as much yeah that's I feel optimistic that's for sure I feel like I snuck in at the right time to be like on a on a good path you know alongside like you said people who do um, understand the value and truly want like those those partners and it's like you said the, the finding the right marriage of creativity is typically the hardest part and when people are like I just need a producer it's like no you don't just need a producer you need to find the right producer for you you have done so much I hope you recognize that not that you need me telling you that but sometimes I think I have learned in doing so many of these that we producers uh, get in our own ways and tend to not see like how far we've come, you know, and I say, I hope you take the time to reflect on that if you haven't recently um, and how much of an inspiration you are to many. Um, and, and so I know you don't have a career plan, but is there one thing still that you're like, I would love to do this once? Mm-hmm. And what would that thing be? Um, you know, I think that the natural evolution for me at some point will probably be to direct, um, you know, doing the Oscars was was the was incredibly creative because yeah. the, because producing that show is creatively overseeing that show it's not it's it's a logistical job but it's a create it's it's primarily a creative job and and um and so that was that was the first time the creative decisions were mine and Stephanie's and yeah. and it um as opposed to enabling someone else's creative vision because even in my most sort of deeply collaborative relationships with um with filmmakers and with directors it there's still uh I'm still there to service their vision I mean I, I mean again like I can give creative feedback and commentary on cuts but it's all in service of what they're trying to do yeah. not what I think it should be and and I've always produced that way but you know I I feel like at a certain point um I will have my own stories to tell that will be driven by me but it's not something that I feel a sense of urgency on, um, you know, because I love producing and I love I love what I do and I love the filmmakers I work with and I love the collaboration. So it's sort of something that I think, because um, again, like I think when I do ultimately direct, I'm going to do it in, I, I will do it probably infrequently and it will be very specific. Um, yeah. And um, which is the opposite of how I produce. I sort of feel like I've tried my hand at a lot of different kinds of genre and storytelling and will continue to do that and even more so. And I'm excited to do that as a producer. But I feel like as a director, I'm more likely to be, be much more specific in what I would want to do. And so, yeah. Well, fantastic. I mean, whatever it is, I know I'll be, I'll be anxiously watching from the sidelines and reading you on. And um <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time out of your life. Having me. This has of been course. a pleasure. Nice to talk to you. Get it's to so know nice. you. Yes, likewise. Thanks so much for tuning in and doing this life thing with me. If you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. I'm at Carolina Gropa. You can find the show at angleonproducers.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Beijos.